will, let's begin to turn to Luke 14. We'll be in Genesis 18 next hour. I got 20 or 30 years of stuff to tell you all. And I, it's hard to know what to leave in and what to leave out. And I about emailed everybody, so we're just going to have one service, and it's going to be about two hours long, and we'll just take a break in the middle. You all can go to the bathroom, shake it out, and get you get the wiggles out, and get you a drink of water, and then we'll, we'll come back for part two. But uh, I finally got it whittled down to, I think, something that's digestible. I think the Lord gave me another message as I was dwelling on that one. So that's what we look at first. This is the, the soft comforting message. There's some things I just have to tell you. God's charged me with that. You don't know or you forgot. I forget or no one's ever told you. You just have to be told these things. And just like small children, I have to be taught. That's what John wrote, wasn't it? It's my little children. That offend you? That make you mad? He wasn't that old of a fella with little children. What's he thinking? We have to be taught. We have to be instructed. I hope you believe me. I hope you won't despise my youth. I know I'm getting some gray hairs on me, but I hope you believe me. It'll do you good. And there'll be evidence of belief. Do you know that? Of believing God. My wife, and <laughs> oven don't ever break the day of payday. Oven always breaks the couple days before payday. <laughs> oven broke the other day. She had her sourdough out in the store, mixed it up, ready to throw it in. It didn't work. No oven. And we cook all of our food. We don't eat out. Well, what are we going to do? Well, I used to make a living fixing stuff like that. So I diagnosed it. I said, honey, here's the problem. Here's the part. We're going to order it. And yesterday morning, her phone dinged. It's out for delivery. It's on the truck. You know what that woman did? She went and got flour and put that starter in it and started mixing it up. I said, honey, that oven ain't fixed yet. She said, you told me what was wrong. You told me you'd fix it. I'll make bread. She believed her husband, didn't she? That's part of next hour, too. I hope we can believe him. Never fool yourself in ignorance, self-righteousness, thinking because a child of Adam remotely agrees with a small aspect of God or God's character that a great tide has turned. Lord said, the plowing of the is evil to me. What do they do? It, they, they plow. And then they stand back and go, look how straight them lines are. Pride, isn't it? Sadly, there'll be many self-proclaimed preachers bringing messages about the recent activities in this nation. I want to bring you a message. I want to read you a sermon. A wonderful sermon. And I want you to read along with me. This is a sermon from the sovereign God of heaven and earth. Do you know that? Our Lord came here as a man and preached. This is a sermon from the only and blessed potentate, the King of kings, the lords of lords. Would a person hear him preach? Or would something else be more important? Would you hear the word of the Lord or something else more important? Would you nap? Would you take a bathroom break? Is some other person important? Is a vacation more important? Oh, if we could hear him. If I could find one person to hear me today, I want to talk to him. If one person showed up <laughs> Wednesday night or Sunday morning, just one of you, 
I told Bob, I said, Bob, if you're the only one here today, I'm going to get up and I'm going to preach to you all I got. We might just walk around the building and I'm going to talk to you. That's what our Lord did. They was walking together. <laughs> told we teach our children. He told us to, didn't he? Take your children, train them up. Luke 14, verse 1. And it came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day, they watched him. They watched him. Isn't that creepy? You ever had somebody just stare at you? What's wrong with you? Have I got something on me? What? You know? And they keep looking. Don't say nothing. Just watching. That's weird. Stop that. That ain't socially acceptable. <laughs> they watched him. as staring at him. And behold, verse 2, there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. The dropsy. That's an extreme edema. Swelling of the feet, swelling of the ankles, sometimes the hands, the face, they swelled up. All their extremities did. And in those days, it was deadly. It was deadly. Now, why do you think a sick man? Here's a chief Pharisee. Well, it's high up, big religious folks. Why do you think they'd have a man of the dropsy hanging out in his house? They brought a sick person. Knowing our Lord was compassionate. Knowing He healed folks. Knowing that. And they said, let's get him in here and let's get this sick fellow in here and just watch him. Watch him. Get eyes on him. Record what they're doing. Just sit back and listen to all he has to say. I'm going to listen to every conversation there is. Judging. You think he's there by accident? <laughs> Did it on purpose, didn't he? Verse 3, And Jesus answering, spake unto the lawyers and the Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? Is it lawful to heal this man on your religious, restful holiday? And they held their peace. Well, if people, uh, even the heathen know too, if people would just hold their peace to the Word of God. Here's what God says. Shut up and do it. <laughs> just hold your peace. Stop talking. Stop waiting for me to stop talking so you can tell what you know. Hold your peace. And He took him and healed him and let him go. <laughs> Is it lawful for me to do this? Nobody said nothing. Come here, son. He healed him. And he said, now get to walking. Go on. Let him go. And answered them, saying, Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit, and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath? And they could not answer him again to these things. Now these religious folks, these Pharisees, they sought to... Just strangely, strangely stare at him and trip him up, and they could not. They cannot. So Christ gives them a lesson in humility to all the people there. Many of them. It said there was multitudes. This is a chief Pharisee. It's a big house, and this is a big gathering he has. He's throwing a party, having a big dinner. A lot of people are there. A lot of them. He gives a parable of good instruction, of good common sense. That's not so common to the self-righteous. Look here in verse 7. And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden, those that are there. When he had marked how they chose out the chief rooms. <laughs> I'm sitting up here at the head table. Y'all see me? Y'all put my picture out there. Put my name out there. I'm going to sit at the big table. He saw them doing that. And he said unto him, verse 8, When thou art bidden to any man, of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. Oh yes. Oh yes. It just may be possible that someone's more important than you are. 
It could just happen to be someone is more important than me. I need to hear that. Verse 9, And he that bade thee, he come in and say, Give this man place, and thou being with shame to take the lowest room. What do you No, somebody else has showed up. Go sit over there. You go sit over there. You don't sit here. You be careful about where you sit down at. Don't sit there. That's what the Lord's telling us. But when thou art bidden, verse 10, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when they he bade thee to come, he may say unto thee, Friend, capital F. Do you see that? Is it capitalized in your Bible? Friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. What's he saying? Our great Redeemer was sitting at the lowest seat at that very moment. He was sitting in, a, in a, the scribes and Pharisees' house with children of Adam, and he spoke these words to them. Soon he's going to be exalted. He's, he's a friend, capital S, that's closer than a brother, isn't he? The Lord's going to bid him. Well done, my good and faithful servant. The Father's going to raise him from the dead. And he's, we're going to sit with him. <laughs> and we're going to eat at that wedding supper and worship. And worship. Here's what our Lord's saying. For whosoever exalteth himself, verse 11, shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. He gave him a good lesson. Now the Lord Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, has a word for the head of the house. He's going to speak to the head of the house, his host, the one that brought him there. It says in verse 12, and, he said, and then said he also to him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, nor thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. Now, this thing to be touched on. I have to teach these things. I have to say it. It has to be said. Uh, the Lord's not teaching you to go into someone's home that's invited you over to dinner and correct them how they're supposed to do things. He's not that needs said. He's not saying that. He has every right to go into someone's home and correct them. We don't. We don't. You say thank you, <laughs> and 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 hold your tongue, hold your peace, and go home. And if there ain't enough food to feed you, stop at McDonald's on the way home. You'll be fine. <laughs> be gracious. This also doesn't mean that we're never to have our friends and neighbors over for a cookout. What he's saying is, you don't feed someone, a peer, or one greater than you, in expectation they'll invite you over for dinner. Why don't you come to my house? I'm going to give you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and then I know next week you'll have me over and you'll have steak. <laughs> we'll go over to your house and eat lobster. That's personal gain, isn't it? That's not the gospel. Our Lord's preaching the gospel to him right here. That's not quid pro quo. You do this and I'll do that. It's not indebting another for your benefit. Is that what, what the Lord did to us? Do we indebt him to us? Or worse? Of course not. Of course not. And you see how that, when God does a work in somebody's heart, it ain't playing church on Sundays and Wednesdays. It comes out. I can't article, that bulletin this, today's from me. Every bit of it. Uh, if a woman's pregnant, you ain't going to tell everybody. It won't take long. It's going to show. <laughs> when the Lord works in somebody's heart, it's, it's evident wh at where they work and in, our, in their home and throughout like the gas station, grocery store, driving down the road in traffic. It comes out of you. That's what the Lord's showing him here. 
He's just thinking he's teaching how to throw a party. This ain't an organizer. Verse 13, But when thou makest a feast, call the poor. Call the ones that cannot buy you anything. Call the ones that have no possessions. And the maimed, those wounded and broken hearted. they got a gashing wound on them. The lame, those that can't work. Those that can't go out and make money. The blind. This came to me early this morning, real early. You know a blind person, I can't enter into that. They must feel lost often. I mean, they got a good idea where they are. They have senses I don't. They can tell where they're at in a the room, kind of, and they remember, I guess. But if you're blind, they don't know what street they're on. They have to trust another, don't they? They're enabled. They're lost. That's what he's telling him. Christ instructs this one that bade him. He said, let me tell you to have a proper supper. First off, make a feast, not a snack. <laughs> a feast, and you make it. You make it. And second, call all those that have nothing to bring. Those that are wounded and contrite heart. Those that are lame and can't bring themselves. Those that cannot see the way. Those that have no idea where you live. They have no idea what you look like. He said, you call those people. Is that what he does? He said, you call those people. What's the result of having a feast and calling these people do? Verse 14, And thou shalt be blessed for... Because, here's the reason you're going to be blessed, because they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. Recompensed at the resurrection. Wait a second. You mean the Bible's not teaching us a home economics class on entertaining guests? No, He's not. The Lord's teaching us about glory, about how He saves sinners. Now, is that going to change how you entertain guests in your house? You better believe it. You better believe it. Henry said, somebody asked Henry one time, I said, is that man a believer? He said, I don't know, I don't live with him. I don't go to church with him every day. I ain't in that town. I don't see him interact with his children and his wife. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he's faithful to thee. Our Lord's telling this pious rebel how God saves sinners. This is preaching. Do you know that? Oh, I wish I could see that. I wish I could preach like he preached. I'm going to tell you how he preached. <laughs> I'll just, I'm getting up here to read his sermon to you today. Oh, he preached to him. He preached to him. And stiff-necked people heard him too. They listened. They didn't hear him. They listened. They went into their ears. I had to stop. I had to. I want to be simple. I want to give simple illustrations. I want to make it so a child can understand what I have to tell you. Because I have to give an account for your souls. We'll see that next hour. What happens when Christ speaks? He preaches in power. What happens when He does it? He's given a general call to many people there with Him. And several illustrations here of how He saves sinners. But He also effectually spoke to one of His own. Multitudes were there. We'll see at the end of the chapter. Multitudes were there. Many were there at that supper. But he effectually spoke. Same word. Effectually spoke to one of his own. Look at verse 15. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things. When he heard. He listened to him talk all day. Oh, now he heard these things. He said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Someone heard. Someone heard. Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. The one speaking to him is the bread. He just saw that, didn't he? You're the bread of life. 
the one speaking to him, is the kingdom of God. And to be with him is what truly means to be blessed. People say, I've had a ble- have a blessed day. I hope I'm in Christ today. That's the blessed man. To be in his presence, be one with him. And in a short sentence, this man heard. And in front of all those people, what shame? Well, I've been here. I'm a Pharisee for 25 years. I can't go back on that. People will think less of me. I don't care what you all think. It's blessed to be in your presence. I want to eat bread with you in your kingdom. Remember me this day, Lord. That's what he's saying. What does the Lord do to those that he reveals himself to? If he reveals himself to them, what does he do to them? He gives them life. (laughs) Verse 16. Then said he unto him. Dwell on that. Don't read. Don't say somebody said I read the Bible in a year. That's too fast. That's too fast. You didn't soak nothing in. Then said he unto him. There were so many people at this feast. One heard. And this parable we're about to look at was spoken to one man. Everybody knows this parable. Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I remember that. He was speaking to one person. One person. I've prayed for days that the Lord would speak to just one person here this morning. That He would speak through me and compel just one person today. Maybe it's me. Maybe y'all just have to watch. Maybe the Lord's speaking to me today. And that, that ought to teach me a lesson too. If one shows up, people get so discouraged. I say, well, it's hard to go to church. It's, it, tell me about it. <laughs> you stand up here and tell me about it. I ought not be that way. Oh, that's my flesh. My flesh word. If one was made to show up, I ought to give it all I have. Our Lord. Ain't you glad? Ain't you glad He comes for just one? In that city of Sodom and Gomorrah, Lord, would you save just one? For one I'll spare. I won't lose one. I won't lose one. Verse 16, Then He said unto him, A certain man, a certain man made a great supper and bade many. The certain man is Christ. He made a great supper and bade many. This is not speaking of the Lord's table. It hasn't been established yet. It's not speaking of that marriage supper of the Lamb we read in Matthew 22. But this is the gospel message in our day. This is a parable of the gospel feast, the publishing of the bread of life. We must live. We must eat to live. It's a blood atonement of God. In human flesh, we must drink that we'll never thirst again. We must take His obedience as our obedience. We must take His sacrifice as our sacrifice. And I must take His faith as my faith. That's what this is. This is a great supper of the gospel of the grace of God. This is a supper, the last meal of the day. Because we're in the last... Supper is the last one. You got breakfast, dinner, and supper. You take a dinner bucket to work. You don't take a supper bucket to work. Dinner, breakfast, dinner, and supper. That's at the end. We're in the last days. Things are about to get dark. And here soon we're all going to sleep. Everybody is. We have that day coming, don't we? It's great because of who purposed to make it. That's why it's great. It's great because of who planned it. That's what we're going to have. What's going to be served at this great supper? He planned it, didn't he? It's great because of who made the supper. Who did the work. And it's great because of who paid for it. This is a real expensive supper. What was paid? His son. God's 
only begotten Son. His blood was shed for this supper. Is that important to you all? We are all bidden to eat and live because the Son of God willingly laid down His life for sinners. Many were bade. This is speaking of the Lord sending His word to the the Jewish people, for almost 4,000 years. From Abraham until our Lord walked this earth, one nation had the gospel preached to it. Everything was given just to the Jews. His prophets was given to them, his sacrifices, his tabernacles, his law, his ordinances, his priests. Everything was just sent to them. Now, he saved some Gentiles along the way, didn't he? He healed some, some lepers along the way. And all those people, they, right here's the gospel laid in front of you and nobody gives a hooey. That's what happened, wasn't it? Nobody cared. Ah, well, we know about that stuff. Ah, well, I've heard that preached ten times. I've heard all those. They despised the gospel of God's grace in the Lord Jesus Christ, and He turned from them. That's what happened. But don't you read this passage and categorize the national peoples. <laughs> well, this is speaking to the Jews, and this is this, and this is that. This is for you and me in our day right now. This is the hour that God has sent for us hearing. Hearing. This is a message for us. This is what happens in Hamul, California every Wednesday and every Sunday until the last seat is taken. This is the message that goes forth. This is what happens in every town where God sends one of His servants, one of His ascension gifts, until the last sinner is brought to Christ's feet. Verse 16. Then he said unto him, that's one fellow. <laughs> oh, how precious. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to your people. A certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. That's my only message. That's all I got. That's my, I was talking this morning. I don't want to be a theologian. That's a person that studies theology, the study of theos, the study of God. I don't want to study him. I want to know him. <laughs> I want to learn more of him. I don't want to just read a book about him. All things right now are ready. Come. Nothing needs to be done on your behalf. Come. Come. Don't bring anything to this feast. That's fine. You go to somebody's house, don't show up in your hand, bring them a bottle of wine or something. I don't know. But this feast, you don't bring nothing. Everything's provided. Don't observe the ceremonies of man. Don't even wash your hands. Wash up, we're about to have dinner. Wash hands, we yell out in our house every, every meal, don't we? To this feast, don't even wash your hands. Don't pay attention to man's silly religion and ordinances. You just come. Supper's ready. Eat. A certain man has made all by himself a great supper. Come, everything's finished. That's it. That's the message of a servant. That's my job if I'm sent of him. If, if somebody's God's preacher, this needs to be said too. <laughs> and they tell you something other than come to Christ, all the work's done. Well, now you got to do something. Uh, they ain't sent of God. And he says, his word says, they shall not profit my people. Well, Kevin, you can't say that. There's churches all over this county. They're telling you to do something other than just Believe on Christ, run to Him and to Him, and don't ever let Him go. That you got to do something. They're lying to you. How would we know? Maybe He'll send a man to tell you that. <laughs> Why 
Well, how are we going to know what to do in this house? We'll see this next time. How are we going to know how to run this place as according to God's word? Well, let's pray that he sends man after his own heart to you to do this. Oh, wait, hey! Ain't what you ain't what you's looking for, huh? You like something different. I thought he'd look different. Paul showed up here to preach to you, the apostle. That's him? I thought he'd be a lot different. I thought he'd be taller or stronger or have thicker shoulders, something. And commercial fishermen called apostles show up. They ain't little pushovers. They ain't, you ain't going to bully them in a corner and, and, and deal with them and make them do what you want. They'll take you up back and bend you over their knee. <laughs> Man. Well, the servant went. There's one response to this general call of the gospel. I'll stand on every rooftop I can and say, Come, the work's done. It is finished. Salvation's accomplished. Come eat. Let me tell you about who did it. Here's the response. Verse 18. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. One consent. All in agreement. In solidarity. Well, they said different things. Nah, it's the same thing. It come out of their mouth different, but the, the motive in the heart was the same. They make excuse. They make excuse. I want you to hear the excuses the Lord gives us here in this parable as an example. I want you to see how crazy these things are, how senseless they are. A child would laugh at them and say, that don't make no sense. And then I'm going to ask you a question. You ready? Verse 18. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs go see it. I haven't seen it yet. I pray thee, have me excused. There was no Zillow back then. Did you know that? There wasn't no Realtor.com. They didn't see the picture. I know people that's bought houses. I said, ah, we come saw this. You got it's got to pass the smell test. You know, <laughs> it may look pretty in pictures, and maybe a sewage plant next door. You never know. But they didn't have this back then. What fool buys a piece of land and doesn't know it? You know what that's saying? Here's the motor of the heart. I pray thee, have me excused while I spit in your face and find something better to do. That's what he's saying. There was a man come to me and said, Hey, stranger, I got some land for sale. Well, I'll trust you. I'll buy it. I ain't even seen it. Here's a certain man, the God man, has prepared a supper. Come, eat. It's all ready. Why well, listen to that? I got more important things to do. I got, I got land to tend to. And another said, verse 19, I bought five yoke of oxen. I go to prove them. I'm going to make sure they ain't lame. Make sure they ain't halt. I'm going to make sure these oxen are good. I paid for them. I pray thee, have me excused while I spit in your face. Who in the world would buy oxen and you didn't know if they could pull anything? You said, well, hook them up to a yoke. I'm going to see. Okay, well, that one ain't got a broke leg or nothing. I ain't paying you for that. Here's a stranger comes. So I got some oxen. They're good. Well, I believe you, stranger. I'll take your word on it. Here's a certain man with a feast that's prepared. Supper's ready. Come and eat. You ain't got to do nothing. I I got better things. I got more important. I've seen people not come to church because of a dog. I can't imagine. The Lord hears all. He knows man's hearts. You know the silly excuses I've heard. People make up. It's all from the same heart. If you're sick, I don't care. Because I know that the Lord controls all the germs in earth. Come on. Come. The supper's ready. This might be the last time you get to eat. This might be the last time a gospel's ready for you. Come. 
People say, well, I can't come to church. I'm just too bad of a sinner. That's from a, that's from a heart that says, I don't believe God can save me. His blood can't atone for sin. You're lying. You, got, you found something better. Or you're waiting on something better. All the same. One consent. It's, it's, it's one voice that, this, that they're having. Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. <laughs> we'll look at this next hour. That's what hit me. That's what got me all here <laughs> in this text. Uh, until 1970, this was silly. The Lord's saying something preposterous here. Uh, well, my wife won't let me. What? <laughs> Get in the car. What are you doing? We're worshiping God today. Or I'm going to go. Well, I'm going to be mad at you. You're going to be in a doghouse. I-, I don't care. I'm going to go worship God. But husband and wife should never be forbidden to come to Christ. You'd be appealing to an unbelieving spouse, an unbelieving husband or an unbelieving wife, and you go home and love them like Christ loved you. And you'd be as patient to them as Christ was patient to you. And you forgive them every sour, cursing word that comes out of their mouth, just, just like Christ forgave you. Be appealing. But now if they say, you cannot do this, I won't have it. Now they've abandoned you. That's where the line's drawn. That's plain. Part of Christ's terms of surrender. (laughs) He said in Luke 14, 26, If any man come to me and hate not his father or his mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Does that mean you've got to purposefully hate you? Well, of course not. You go kick your mommy and daddy? No, honor your mother and father. But if you don't forsake them for him, you cannot be his disciple. And yea, your own life also. Well, I'm just not really, depart- I'm, I'm, a, I'm a single person. I don't have any children. I don't have a wife. I don't have nobody. My mommy and daddy's dead. I'm all by myself. But now I just, I got to fish. Or I got to go snowboarding or whatever it is. I need this. I need my time. My time for me. I just need some alone time. If you ain't ready to forsake yourself, you cannot be my disciple. That's what he says. I ask the question now. What's a good reason to refuse to come to Christ? Can you give me one? I don't want to hear that gospel. I don't want to hear that that, that, that food's already cooked and I don't have even have to wash my hands. That's, that's unhygienic. <laughs> All the stuff I get emailed. What's a good reason to not come to Christ? You give me one. What's a good reason not to bow to Him? Not to have this man reign over us. Oh, what a faithful man this is. What a good cook. <laughs> oh, man. What a meal He's provided for us. What was a good reason not to come and hear the preaching of the gospel? And I mean it. You give me one. Don preached on this and he said, I'll tell you what. He said, nobody tells me their excuses no more. He said, they'll tell Shelby. They'll tell people here. They don't tell me. And that happens a whole lot. People say things, I show up and they stop talking. You know why? Because you know it's wrong. That needs needs said. That's true. God looks on the heart. Is there a good reason why we should forsake the assembly of the saints and worship God? Now, there's those that cannot. There's those that cannot. They're housebound. They physically cannot. The Lord's put them in providence in a place where they cannot come. And that may happen to all of us one day. Sometimes you have to work. I knew I got up this morning at 4.30 knowing I had to preach this message. My oldest one's at work right now. It's in process and he has to. He told him, I can't work on Wednesdays and I can't work on Sundays. And I said, that's fine, but this is the only day we do it. And I, boy, he's tore up. <laughs> he said, Daddy, I know it's, it's the Lord's Day. We've got to go service. 
What do I do? And I said, that's fine. You've got to eat. You've got to work. It happens sometimes. Sometimes. Children have to eat. Our Lord spoke through Paul and said, For even when you, we were with you, we, this we commanded you, that if any man would not work, neither should he eat. That doesn't say he could not work. It said would not. What about those that are widows and those that are orphans and those that are lame? Lords that's crippled in their, in their bodies. Normally that's the ones that have the heart to do everything they can. They give themselves to provide everything they could. And the Lord makes it where they can't. But those that would not, don't feed them. You're fully capable to go work and you won't, don't give them food. Is he lying? He ain't. It's not that these people bidden could not come, it's that they would not. The man with the land, the man with the oxen, the man with the wife, they would not come to his supper. He tells them that in John 5, and you will not come to me that you might have life. Verse 21 says, So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly, hurry up with haste, right now. Right now. I don't know what the Lord told Philip. He said, you get down there, one of mine's on the road. There's a eunuch, you go talk to him. And he, he ran. <laughs> go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. This servant had to give an account. He had to come and show the Lord these things. That's why Hebrews 13 talks about the Lord sends somebody after his own heart, and I, I care for you. I look out for you. People don't think I need to look out for them, and boy, that means i got to look out for you doubly. I look out for your souls as one that must give account. What's that mean? After this service is over, like every other Sunday, I'll go home and say, Lord, please make these words effectual to your people. Apply it to their hearts. Make them hear it, Lord, please. Apply it to my children's hearts. Apply it to my heart. I count to him. Well, this one was angry. <laughs> he said, Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. That's something needs to be told too. God's angry with the wicked every day. Come to him. <laughs> the supper's ready. He will punish sin. Come to him. And he says, Poor, maimed, halt, and blind. That's just what he told that fellow in 13, wasn't it? Verse 13. When you invite somebody to your feast, you invite these people. Those that can't come of their own. You go get those that you effectually call them. They pick up their beds, lower them through the roof. That's who needs to come. Luke 15, we read this. The Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. He's having poor people come, maimed people, lame people. What in the world's he doing? I'm thankful. He receives sinners to this great supper, to this gospel message, and he eats with them. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I'll be also. Verse 22, And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. The Lord gave us a commandment, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Every creature. We've done that, Lord. And there's still room. How can I know there's still room? That's what some old theologians get mad to. They're scared to death that one of the, someone that's not the elect might slip into the supper. That's all right. Lord will take care of the wheat and the tares. I'll just stand up and say, come. 
How do we know there's still room? The sun's still shining. That's how I know there's still room. Today's the day of salvation. Come unless you starve to death. Come unless you die of thirst. Come for all things are now ready. Come. Verse 23, And the Lord said unto His servant, Go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Compel there means constrain. Show necessity. I have an urgency. If if you've never believed God, believe on Him now that you may have life. Obey Him. Do what He says. Come to Him. Rest in Him. We read over Mark. He says, Go ye to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Well, I'd like, I believe, I believe you having a supper, you obey. If you're his, you obey. He says, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. But he that believeth not shall be damned. He says, That my house may be filled. Oh, when that last day comes. last child of God will be called to know Christ. Whether they're called home or they're called to see Him and it might be in the middle of a, a, a service. That's what this world's over. It served its purpose. And His house will be filled. Some old preacher said one time, Glory will have no empty seats and plenty of room. There won't be a seat empty. Every seat's got a name on it. But we ain't crammed in there. It ain't going to be uncomfortable at all. It'll be just right. Just right. Verse 24, For I say unto you that none of these men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Oh, that's the burden of the Lord. To look people in the eye. Look them in the eye when you preach to them. And tell them who God is. Tell them what wretches we are. Tell them we're starving to death. And we're going to thirst to death. We're in a wilderness. We're in a famine right now. And he's got a meal already. Come to him and eat. Come to him and drink. And out of your belly is going to flow rivers of living water. And then have not care. I quit yesterday morning. I'll tell you that right now. I gave up 8.30. Going to drive down here get to, get to working. And I said, that's it. Lord, you've deceived me. You've tricked me. I preached and I preached and I preached. And I just don't feel like it's doing nothing. Right then, right when I was at my lowest, inside of my bones, it just burned. Oh, did you see that? That's, he spoke to one man. I got to show somebody that. I got to tell somebody. His word burned in my bones, and I had to tell somebody. He's faithful, man. He's faithful to save to the uttermost. Come. Everything's done. Don't even wash your hands. All right. Well, Wilma went over you. We'll meet back at 1030.